Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Here at the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, we try to take a light approach to our topics in an effort to deliver our listeners with top-notch theories mixed with humor when appropriate. This will be a little different because we are covering the suicide forest. To be perfectly clear, there is no way to discuss this topic lightly, as it will include mentions of suicide, corpses, demonic entities, and things of that nature. We understand that these could be very sensitive subjects for some folks, so please, if any of the previous subject matters mentioned could be bad for your mental health or triggering in any way, we suggest you do not listen to this episode. We have plenty of lighter episodes for our listeners to enjoy. If you or a loved one is dealing with suicidal thoughts, please visit suicidalpreventionlifeline.org or call 1-800-273-8255 to seek support. Thank you, Hushlings. We will now proceed with Debriefing 27, Aokigahara Forest. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike, and we're joined by our travel partner, Slick Frank Sanders. How's it going, Hushlings? Slick Frank Sanders here. Mike, Dave, hello. Hello, friends. This week for Debriefing 27, we are exploring Okigahara Forest. We take a trip to Japan at the flanks of Mount Fuji and travel deep into the woods and uncover the mystery of the Sea of Trees, or more commonly known as the Suicide Forest. As this forest has a reputation in Japanese mythology as the home for ghosts of the dead. But before we enter the forest, make sure to follow us on all social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As well as the official website of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, www.hushhussociety.com. Where you can find all of our news, blogs, and even drop a review. And purchase the drippiest of the drip Hush Hush apparel. First... A brief overview of the geography and landscape of the forest. At the base of Mount Fuji lies a dense, lush forest, and when it's seen from above, the trees swaying in the wind are similar to the likes of the sea, giving the Okigahara Forest a second name, Jukai, or Sea of Trees. The forest floor is said to be primarily made up of volcanic rocks, this landscape was formed as a result of a massive eruption from Mount Fuji in the year 864. The ground below Fuji is uneven and absolutely riddled with caves and caverns, as well as moss-covered roots which have grown onto most of the dried lava that once flowed there. Have you guys seen pictures of this forest, like with the moss on all the roots and the rocks and stuff? It's pretty stunning, honestly. There are designated trails of the forest that lead to several forest attractions, like the Narasara Ice Cave, which is frozen all year round, as well as the Fugaku Wind Cave and the Lakeside Bat Cave. Those sound like three really cool places. Hell yeah. That I would want to go. The Wind Cave? That sounds dope. I like the idea of that frozen cave too. 
frozen year round. Like strange. I didn't go in a cave recently. I've been in some caves, but I went in a mine recently on a tour. That's interesting. It was yeah, it was very interesting. I'm claustrophobic, so it made it a lot more fun as <laughs> as all of our hushlings oh. have known from my shit pipe story. <laughs> <laughs> my drainage pipe story. The volcanic soil of the Aokigahara has a very high iron content, which tends to interfere with GPS and cell phone signals frequently. This forest is unforgiving to say the least. It is very easy and common to get lost here. Daygoers and experienced hikers alike are strongly encouraged to stay on the trails. The forest is a very quiet place. The density of the foliage prevents wind from blowing throughout the area, and the lack of wildlife contributes to the silence as well. So is it just the canopy of the forest that can be seen from air that moves? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very thick. I think Frank and I watched the same documentary. It was like a quick half-hour little Vice documentary. Yeah, Frank and I watched one that is on YouTube, and it follows this... He's almost like a forest ranger, but he's also there to watch out for people that are attempting suicide in the forest. I think I have seen that. Yeah, and maybe are kind of reaching out or having second thoughts about it, so he kind of goes out there and he monitors the situation. But as he's walking through the forest in the film, you don't hear anything. You don't hear birds, you don't hear cracking of wood, like if you were in a living, live forest. It's like atypical for a forest, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very odd, and it's kind of unsettling throughout the entire documentary, and it kind of gives a very uneasy feel. There are some people who enter the forest with the intention of not coming out. Signs and messages are displayed abundantly at the forest's entrances, reminding visitors that their life is precious and to think of their families. At the bottom of the signs is the phone number for a suicide hotline. Those signs are strewn about throughout the forest, especially when you get to like certain offshoots off the pathway. In a weird, morbid way, it's kind of become an attraction to foreigners and also people of Japan alike. You'll see like school field trips to the forest. Nature trip. Yeah, they're doing exactly that, nature walks. But the kids, they'll take selfies with the signs, and it's just very, very weird. It's almost become second nature to the Japanese. Japan's suicide rates are some of the highest that you'll see in the world. Okigahara has gained notoriety as a popular spot to take your own life in the region to people around the world, giving the Okigahara another nickname, the Suicide Forest. Some pretty heavy stuff. The Aokigahara forest has a dark past and present alike. In 1988, there were about 30 publicly reported suicides. The suicide rate gradually increases from this point. There were 78 suicide reports in 2002 and 105 in 2003. It is said that over 200 people attempted suicide in the forest in 2010. Wow, those are staggering numbers. And they jump so dramatically. In that documentary following the forest ranger, he had said over his time of patrolling the forest that he had come across, he said, at least 100 bodies. I mean, it's not just a peaceful place. One thing that I found intriguing about this forest is a lot of the idea of suicide and taking your life in that forest comes from some book that came out in the 60s. That book in particular, 
forgive me, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of it. It's called Nami Noto, which is translated to Tower of Waves. And like Mike said, it was a book written in the 60s. And this book was about a young woman who was in a scandalous love affair. She being the main character who decides to venture into the forest and take her own life. The book itself heavily romanticizes the idea of suicide, particularly in the Aokigahara forest, and it really puts it in your face that it would be a beautiful and peaceful place to end your life. Yeah, and I believe they found copies of the book throughout the forest whenever they would find a body, in certain cases, obviously. The book, like Frog says, romanticizes the thought of suicide, so in a lot of these cases you see the people that have found their way into the forest and they're found with copies of this book, and it just shows like how much of a hold it has on the Japanese people, and how much it really speaks to those who are already in that state of mind. Yeah, I know what you're saying completely, and I, I'm not surprised at all that if somebody did have these suicidal intentions, that they might carry a copy of the book with them into the forest. The rate of suicides tend to peak in March, which is the end of the fiscal year in Japan, which correlates to a lot of the reason for suicide in Japan. When you get into the higher echelons of business, if you lose your company a significant amount of money, or if you have disgraced yourself as a person within the business, you just take your own life. That history has definitely been a thing for a very long time with the Japanese people. Seppuku and, sad to say, but for their country, suicide bombers at Pearl Harbor... They see suicide as a completely different thing than we do. It's very based on honor. And if you don't have that honor and if you have disgraced yourself, it's what they do. Their culture seems to go about suicide a little bit differently, like you're saying. But with seppuku and the kamikaze type strategy, I feel like that's a little bit different from what's going on here in particular. I don't know, I, I just can't help but feel like the more recent suicides, more so in, in the past century, they're just so much more frequent. It's not in the sake of war, necessarily, it's just, it's more so because of societal struggles, instead of disgracing your family, like you said, disgracing yourself or letting yourself down. If you dare to traverse deep into the forest, it's likely that you will find many thick threads colored ribbons, or ropes that are intertwined through the forest. Hmm. I wonder why March. It's the end of the fiscal year. A lot of financial struggle. Oh, so it's the same as us. So it's just tax season. Yeah. Or in our case, winter. Seasonal well, depression. They, they, it's winter there too. It's winter in Japan. Yeah, but winter in Japan is beautiful as opposed to winter in they get the snow. northeast. <laughs> they get snow. It's true. It's true, but their their snow's beautiful. <laughs> it's still cold. Their, their landscape Michael. is better. Okay, fine. They have a nicer woods. Almost every person who wants to commit suicide here takes a bundle of thread or ribbon with them. They tie it to a tree at the edge of the forest and gradually unwind it as they trudge deeper into the woods. I mean, how much string are they bringing with them, though? All of it. A good All spool. A good spool. I think about bundles of yarn. Yeah. There's a lot of yarn in a bundle. Yeah, yeah, you can go pretty far, I guess. 
This is done as a preventative measure to not get lost in case the person changes their mind. Along the maze of stretched ribbons and threads, it isn't uncommon to find various items scattered among the ground and the trees. Things like backpacks, cell phones, clothing, or shoes. See, now that's the freakiest part, man. Imagine just your intentions are just to go hiking. You didn't know about the forest at all. Think about being on vacation. You don't know the signage or anything like that or the language. Imagine just being like, oh, this is a place where everybody's going. Yeah. You go or you stumble upon a body. Wonderful little blonde French family and they're just freaking out. <laughs> That's why they so heavily recommend that you stay on the trails. And I know we said, I said it in particular at the edge of the forest, but more so these lines of tape or thread, they'll start from the edge of a pronounced trail. Or um, so, yeah, like a, a beaten path, yeah. And honestly, if you've got a pretty good bundle of ribbon or rope, and you stretch it all the way off of the trail as far as it'll go, odds are you're in deep enough to where you would probably get lost without it. Like yeah. you guys have seen in pictures, the forest is just there's no sense of direction. And every picture I've seen, there was no distinguishable tree. Like you mentioned earlier, Dave, all the trees look the same. All the foliage looks the same. The ground is uneven. It's very disorienting. It's important that these people that might be having second thoughts, you know, bring that in with them because even just a couple hundred yards and you try to turn around, you might be lost for good. Even if you're just a few hundred yards from the trail. So if you're talking about just like normal like sewing thread, you can get up to 200 to 600 yards. Imagine going 600 yards into the woods and yeah. then just le oh, letting yeah. go of that thread. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah. Especially with how dense the forest is, you can easily get lost. There's many different points throughout the paths that have a barrier, a chain up or some sort of gate. And on the sign it says, you know, prohibited, don't go past this point, whatever it may be. And those are the points really where people veer off the path and go about their business. Like you said, Dave, it is very eerie to see the things that these people have left behind because... In a way, when you start to find these things throughout the forest and you're kind of following, even if there isn't a guideline, if you're just following the trail of somebody's life, and at the end of that trail, it is very possible that they've taken their life. It's a scary thought, like you said, to just be walking through the forest and come across someone's body. It's got to be tough, a gift and a curse, because here at the base of Mount Fuji, you have one of the most beautiful forests to walk in or hike in or picnic in with your family. But you go there knowing that you very well might find the breadcrumb trail of the last few hours of somebody's life that could potentially lead to a body. So it's like, that's got to be rough. Like, you, you really want to go to this beautiful place, but people might be held back in the fear that, you know, they, they might run into a corpse. While hanging tends to be the most common method of suicide in the forest, there are many cases of drug overdoses and self-induced poisonings as well. Although every year abundances of bodies are discovered, not every victim will be found. It would be absolutely impossible. The vegetation is too thick and the forest is simply just too large. So in that documentary, they did come across a body that had been there for a long time. So this kind of ties in with them not being able to find everyone that goes into the forest to commit suicide, unfortunately. It's a really interesting documentary. If you can find it, it's on YouTube. It's about 20 minutes long, but it's very interesting. With the search in mind, it doesn't mean that efforts aren't made. 
Every year, there are annual searches held to look for new bodies. The search parties are comprised of law enforcement, forest workers, and volunteers. In the event that a body is found, forest workers are responsible for removing it. It is said that the bodies that are discovered are taken to a small building near the forest edge by, as Mike explained, the forest workers. The bodies are kept here until they are collected by the loved ones or properly identified. In many cases, the workers will stay overnight with the corpses. Dude, the job got worse. Yeah, so mm. fun fact about that. I fun actually fact. read... Yeah, fun fact. I read that these forest workers, a lot of them will actually... They won't only stay overnight in the building with the bodies, but some of them will sleep in the same room as these corpses overnight. Now, they're not just throwing them into body drawers like you would see at a morgue. They actually have bunk rooms where they will lay these bodies on a mattress and they kind of store them like that. And these forest workers, they report that if they're kind of just in the same building staying overnight and they're not in the same room, they will hear, you know, things like violent screams and other sort of paranormal activity things bashing against the walls and Jesus. these workers found that if they stay in the same room and sleep in the same room that that kind of activity doesn't happen kind of like restless souls or restless uh, spirits yeah yeah there is a movie and i know it's talking about pop culture here but there is a movie there's a horror movie kind of goes into the forest and obviously there's uh, entities involved and ghosts and, and whatnot and the story is very interesting but it's called the forest and just like Frank described there is a part where somebody goes to identify a body and they are brought into this weird bunk room and somebody is right there and she explains, yes, that they stay with them until the body is identified or until they can go home or be properly buried. You know, it brings up the Japanese culture of respect and honor. And even a person who has taken their own life is treated with respect and treated the way that a human should be. That's it. No, yeah, that's a good point. They're not just doing it for nonsense sake. There's a purpose. Now... How many people exactly have come to take their own lives in the Aokigahara forest is unknown. Not only are there certainly bodies that go undiscovered as we've mentioned, but local authorities have intentionally hidden the precise amount of suicide victims from journalists and the public alike. It's believed that this was done in order to not quote-unquote advertise the forest in the name of suicide. The fact is that Okigahara Forest has become widely known all over the world thanks to the internet and the douchebag Logan Paul, who filmed a dead body in the forest, and also, as we mentioned, many horror films. The flow of tourists has increased in the area of Mount Fuji in recent years, as has the suicide rate. I never really liked the Paul brothers, but... After hearing about that stunt, I believe it happened a few years ago now. After hearing about that stunt, I'm not all for cancel culture, but if you really wanted to cancel somebody, he should have been canceled yeah, a long man. time ago. Especially when that happened. I'm not aware of that. They found a body and filmed it and yeah, put it online. Yeah, Logan Paul yeah. went to the suicide forest and he actually found a body and he filmed it. 
And put it on his fucking YouTube channel. Uh, kind of as like a lull. It wasn't a serious video. It wasn't a suicide prevention video. It was like, a, hey, let's go see if we can find a dead body. And they did. And they went about it very disrespectfully. Yeah, like Shitty. I said, I'm not for cancel culture in any way, but that dude should have lost everything at that point. Shame on you, YouTube. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for real. So we're wondering why or what draws so many people to this forest. It can't just be the serenity of it. There's got to be something else. Are there that many people that have the same common thought that like, this is the place? Or is something drawing them there? There's many stories and tales of ghosts of suicide victims that reside in the Okigahara and restless souls that are doomed to roam the forest for eternity for their wrongdoing. Sounds like woods I would not want to. Imagine hiking there at night. No. That's another part of it is that they have to empty the forest out by the time the sun goes down. So these forest rangers and these forest workers, they go out and pretty much guide people out of the park when dusk starts to come in. Yeah, I wonder if that's just for the sole purpose of preventing people from getting lost and preventing more suicides or because they know that there might be more to the forest, particularly at night. Well, individuals who survived attempts of suicide speak of a demonic force that called them there. See, I knew it. Something else. Some say they felt compelled, while others claim they felt dragged into the woods. Not physically, but mentally. These spirits that Dave is referring to are known as Yorai. They are very vengeful, angry spirits that are created when one dies from a sudden or violent death with a feeling of disdain. Yurai are filled with anger, and if they wish, it's said that they can unleash it on a living person. This affects the living in a way of imposing thoughts of suicide that weren't there before. That is incredibly terrifying, really. Yeah, that's, that's creepy Especially as fuck. if you're just going out to explore the forest, not going there with that thought in mind but just going to walk the forest and then all of a sudden you get into the confines of those trees and everything kind of looking the same and that quietness, the stillness that's in the forest and then all of a sudden you have this weird thought, this thought you would never have had before to just go and maybe it's easier just to end your life there. Can you imagine just going out there and enjoying a bento box and then all of a sudden you get shitty thoughts? You're having a wonderful meal. It's beautiful. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like something you never th you never heard before. That would freak me the fuck out. I'd be like, well, I'm going to leave my lunch here, and I'm going to leave. Time to go. Time to go. In many other places, not just talking about this forest, but there's many other places where if suicides have happened or violent deaths have happened, it creates this sort of very evil, dark feeling. We don't know if it's something psychological where you're like, okay, somebody died here in a painful or sad way, and you just attribute that to that feeling that you get, that feeling in the pit of your stomach of something is wrong here. But there's definitely something about this place that is drawing people there and giving them that feeling, and they're taking action on it. This place, I think, kind of embodies that sadness and is a little different than those other, quote, haunted places or bad places. Well, are there any other places that have this concentration of the same way of death in such mm, a small area? Suicide? There yeah. is. There is. Yeah, it would be the Golden Gate Bridge, but 
Well, yes, I've I've never heard purged, of this sort of paranormal activity, for lack of better words, at the Golden Gate Bridge. Has anybody ever been to Gettysburg? I was going to say that exactly. Maybe Gettysburg or like other very violent and bloody, you know, historical battle sites, maybe. But no, I, I haven't been. You're supposed to get some eerie feeling there. You would imagine if that many people died in one spot. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard as well. Talking about scary things when you're in the forest, this, <laughs> this piece of information right here, I think, is the most terrifying, really. There have been people who have gone to the forest who reportedly claimed to have heard a high-pitched scream of the Uri while in the forest. It's almost like a banshee scream coming from the forest. That's nuts. I've seen that be pretty prevalent in multiple stories, these people that hear inhuman shrieks from deep in the woods. Sounds like banshee activity. Yeah, and it's even more unsettling because like normally when, when you're in the woods and you hear a crazy noise, for me anyways, because like it's happened, you hear a, a crazy noise that a person can't make. And normally you can justify it with, oh, well, it's probably an animal. It could have been a bobcat or like a weird bird or something. But like here you can't really do that because while there is wildlife, it's very, very subtle. It's not prevalent whatsoever. Definitely nothing that can be heard from far away or be loud whatsoever. There's really no justifying these noises. As a side note, if you are not familiar with Japanese lore, uh, especially when it comes to Japanese demons or Japanese entities, they are some of the scariest lore that I've read about in pretty much any country. I think they definitely take the cake when it comes to terrifying stories. If you know anything about the history of Japan or, the, or, or any of that lore, this forest definitely adds to that. Just to elaborate on what you were saying, Mike, with the mythological lure, the Suicide Forest is allegedly home to a mythological Japanese bird demon called the Tengu. There's definitely a lot of that lure surrounding the Mount Fuji itself as well as the basin forest that surrounds it. Sounds like we got a cryptid on our hands. <laughs> I would definitely love to tackle a Japanese cryptid in the future. That'd be great. Oh, absolutely. We should make it a point in the uh, near I am future. I'm so down with that idea. We'll make it happen. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time. I can't understand I why. This, this, is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just... Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. This week, we soar over the fields of Britain and sift through the grain at some of the weirdest known phenomenons, crop circles. We look into the written history of the formations, the accusations, as well as claims of hoaxes. We also examine the scientific evidence that these fascinating patterns may not be of a known earthy origin. And we ask the questions of who made them, 
and why or how do they appear? Join the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour for Debriefing 28 Crop Circles, streaming everywhere Monday, July 26th. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Now, as we said, this high-pitched, banshee-ish, inhuman sound that people have claimed to hear, one man that had experienced this was actually a writer for Japan Times, and he described hearing a shriek while being deep in the forest, and he went to investigate where he thought the scream would have come from or came from, and what he found was pretty disturbing. He found a decaying body. See, that's the reason why you don't investigate. Never. You just hear it and you go. Yep. You go the opposite direction, man. For real. Rule number why, one. Uh, and it happens a lot in movies, obviously, that drives the movie. But I always imagine like one movie. Somebody's going to make a movie one day where somebody's out in the woods and they hear a shriek. And instead of investigating, they say, fuck that. They walk out of the woods and they get in their car and drive away and roll credits. And the movie ends at Denny's. They're they're enjoying a meal or something like that. They got out. Yeah. Yeah. They're texting their buddies like, shit, I heard this crazy stuff in the forest and I left. The next hour and a half is just the, their regular two days of life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just them at work. Yeah. It's just boring. <laughs> There's also an instance of a woman who hiked deep into the forest and unknowingly got lost after someone or something had cut the tape she was using to track her path. She luckily survived and made it out, but how her tape was cut was a mystery. She suspects it was the Uri with the intentions of trapping her in the forest. Probably in reality, it was some asshole. Or caught on a tree or something. Yeah, there's jerks everywhere. It was Logan Paul. Douchebag. Um, my question, though, is why she had a tape line to begin with. Was she just hiking and marking a way to not get lost, or did she have some sort of thought going into that forest? Well, if she did have some sort of thought, it's a good thing she had the tape, I suppose. Well, she mm. got out, so she was on her. She was trying to find her way out. So I would imagine she probably that was probably preventative. Realistically, even if it got caught on a tree, if something or somebody did happen to cut the tape, realistically, the other half of it that she was on the side of that was cut, um, you could probably see if you're like, you know, following it back. I mean, it's only going to be a couple inches. Kiyomiyo Fukai, a Buddhist monk, went to the suicide forest to build an altar in an attempt to diminish the presence of the Uri. He was interviewed by the New Zealand Herald and was quoted as saying, These spirits are calling people here to kill themselves. The spirits of people who have committed suicide before. See, that's weird. Yeah, in, in the movie The Forest that we keep referring to, and I wanted to bring this up earlier, that sense of luring somebody to their death, to their suicide, that the Uri have, it's more than just a thought allegedly it can go as far as a magnetism to a certain point so there's a scene in that movie where a girl lost in the forest is intending on killing herself and she's walking and she's walking and she's walking and all of a sudden she gets to the spot where she's going to 
commit suicide and it it just kind of clicks she she looks at it and she knows that's it she was being lured to that specific location and the movie depicted that intentionally because allegedly that's really how it goes that's really how some people who have attempted suicide admitted how it felt they go into the forest either with the intentions or the intentions are drawn upon them and once they kind of have this thought in the, in their head they just kind of start walking but walking intentionally somewhere that they don't necessarily know where they're going but it's very bizarre shout out to the monk who is trying to kind of cease that presence of the uri well he knows something i would say anybody that's spiritual would obviously attribute that to some sort of spirit or bad feeling so him doing kind of a smudging of the forest at least somebody's doing something right exactly there are some legends that relate the uri and the forest to a custom of ubusute this was the ancient practice of abandoning weak or inconvenient family members such as old aged men and women during stressful times like famines or droughts so dropping your family off into the woods the weakest ones and just leaving Peace. them there to die Peace in. that's savage the okigahara was a frequent location for this practice and some believe that these people were incarnated into your eye due to their long and painful deaths of starvation dehydration and exposure to the cold especially when you're dropped off by your family with no shoes. Exactly. No shoes, no food, no water. Like, I, I could see how that could create a pretty vengeful spirit. But are there just caravans of people dropping their families off? Like, Probably. I wonder, because if you think about feudal Japan or Japan in the past, it boils down to uh, villages. And it's kind of that way today. But if you look at villages, did villagers and people of that land, did they look at it and point out the older people in the village and do it in like a mass exodus or did they do it one at a time or two at a time it's kind of along the lines of what you said dave like was there a mass drop-off almost picking out 15 people that are over the age of 60 or something and just saying this is for the betterment of the village and this is for us to survive and so that the younger people can have a better life well then that would create some seriously pissed off spiritual realms i would imagine yeah unless it was understood there's also that whole True. like like we've been talking about the whole honor thing and honoring your family and even going to the great lengths of killing yourself to make sure that your family wasn't dishonored but what if you can't control the fact of your spirit being vengeful because you suffered in death that is a big part of it because the conscious mind is gone hmm and honor would be part of the conscious mind. There is the thought, it's just like a ghost that turns into a poltergeist is a mixture of time, time that that ghost has been there, and anger. Looking at the forest, how many of those inhabitants, how many of those spirits have been there for a very, very long time, and over the time have become almost like a poltergeist and turning into these uri. It's like you said, your mind is gone, but the spirit is still there. And spirit mixed with time, which mixed with bad feelings, creates chaos. Esotericists, psychics, and other mediums believe that everything in this place is saturated with evil energy. 
It permeates everything around, the trees, the grass, even the flowers. With that in mind, you cannot bring anything from here to your home. It is a national park, isn't it? I mean, you can get in trouble for taking shit from national parks here, too. Do they have the same laws, though, when it comes to parks? and? I don't know. It's like taking something from a place that's got supposed bad energy. I mean, why would you do that anyway? It's like, oh, this branch looks beautiful. I'm going to take this little sliver of moss. Yeah, no. 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 Especially if you're a person who believes in energies, good or bad, or frequencies, as we've talked about before. So this place could have a really bad frequency and or a really bad feeling to it. Like we said, that gets into everything. So you look at a flower and you say, oh, that's beautiful. I just came to the forest to pick these flowers and they're gorgeous. And, and then you take them out and you bring that energy into your home. That's incredibly dangerous, especially if you're a local, because, and I'm sure they've they've learned to not bring any of that stuff into their homes. But if you go and you and you bring a flower, that's the example, into your home, and you all of a sudden start feeling like garbage, and you you feel down, and you're sad, and then you visit the forest randomly again. It's it's just I don't know. That's scary. Scary thought. Imagine finding psilocybin mushrooms in this forest and then bringing them home with you and eating them. And then you just walk right back. Oh my god. That's a terrifying thought. I know. As a person yeah. who uh, who is a forager of mushrooms, um, that's absolutely terrifying. That would suck. I wouldn't do that. I just <laughs> There is no way that I would do that. Now, I have a question about this whole thing. So, I know we mentioned it earlier that recorded in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, but how far back are there datings of people either going missing, because that's essentially what would be happening, Yeah, is people just disappearing into this forest. Because Mount Fuji has a very, very, I would imagine, a very special place in Japanese culture. Yeah. Yeah, if not like... The major, major part. If this eruption that happened that's supposed to have littered the landscape with this lava rock would be, you said, 864 years ago or something like that? Yeah, that's... Uh, the, so, the year 864. Oh, the year 864. Okay. So we're talking quite a long time ago. That's a ways to go, but like, Mount Fuji has obviously erupted before. It's a stratovolcano. It's kind of blown up until it's gotten to that height. But... yeah. How long has this forest had what is known as magnetic anomalies? I would imagine that would happen in rocks that higher iron content. But the magnetic anomalies in Okigahara Forest, there's a theory that because of the anomalies that people here are actually, like we've been saying, compelled to lose their minds and ultimately, unfortunately, commit suicide. So is it demonic? Or is it something that's messing with our actual magnetism within our bodies? That kind of goes into the talk of ghost hunting. A lot of ghost hunters, they'll have electromagnetic readers, or they'll have something that read electromagnetic frequency. So one thought is that electromagnetic frequency... Yeah, like too much of electromagnetic fields can make you feel uneasy and can make you feel almost sick or down or dark. Or they affect your psyche in a certain way, which is why when you watch those ghost hunting shows or you see taps or anything like that, they have those EVP readers so that they can see, okay, is everybody feeling down and feeling a bad feeling about this place? 
because of those raised electromagnetic levels. The entire ground of this forest is made of this volcanic rock, and, and like you said, could have that high iron content or that, you know, that weird electromagnetic spectrum that is causing the shitty feeling in people. Think about it. I mean, there's probably there's a little bit of parallel in certain areas, I guess, like in the counts over in like Skinwalker Ranch where people mm-hmm. are feeling stuff like that. But human beings are electrical. Anything that's hearts pumping has an electrical signal going through it. And your brain. Yeah. So who's to say in my life I've had heart issues due to the electrical malfunctions of the brain. Who's to say you walk next to something or go into an area that is resonating some gnarly magnetic field that you're not used to and it's not demonic or spiritual in a sense, but it's actually like a physical thing. Yeah, it's science. I'm not knocking the idea, but I can't help but wonder how long do you have to be around that iron-rich environment for you to actually take action on the feelings that it's making you have. Are some people more susceptible to the feeling and the vibe that it's making you feel? You'd really have to go into researching who these people were that died. Researching the last couple years of their life, you can't base it off of that, but you can kind of get maybe a better idea. Because if you have people that are just completely like having no history of exhibiting anything that comes to suicidal thoughts and everything's gravy and then all of a sudden they just go for a hike with their lunch and end up dead but if you have somebody that's if you can see the signs or you know you know somebody's dealing with something whether it's financial or anything like that because it can't just be purely financial there's got to be something else yeah so so people that have something going on could absolutely be more susceptible to that sort of effect how many of these people have they actually identified You have to go farther into it, into an investigation of finding out what their lives were. Even easier, you just interview the people that came out alive. True, that too. Look into the people that went there in the first place and then said, you know what, I'm not doing this. That also brings up something very important in this episode, especially if you have made it past the disclaimer and you can deal with the subject matter. There are people that don't have those signs. There are people that are not depressed. There are people that smile and laugh and love their family and love their kids. And they seem like the happiest people on earth that have all their shit together and they're just deeply deeply somewhere in their head unhappy those are the scary ones especially if it's a a family member or a friend that's scary they say that the people that outwardly say that their life sucks and that they wish they were dead and they were miserable and say that they're going to kill themselves are actually the least likely to do it mostly because in most suicides People don't have a predetermined plan or date of when they're going to commit suicide. They just do it. It's scary, but it's also it also points to a lot of the things that happen in this forest. These people probably didn't plan to kill themselves. Or they had the thought in their head, they went out into the forest, they left a little tape behind them, or in some cases just let their belongings just stay in the forest and went on and it's, it's, a, it's a terrifying thought. Well, that's such a high concentration of people have the same manner of death in one area. That's the part that's very puzzling. Also, when you look at the electromagnetism of the area, 
all that ground, everything, for probably a couple miles around the mountain, that's all volcanic land. So maybe it's not, uh, like Frank said, anything to do with the time that those people were exposed to the land, but the fact that they are so engulfed in it being in that forest. It's in the ground. It's in the ground that they're walking on. And it's around them in high concentrations. If you're going into a haunted house, a house or a building that has some sort of concentration of, of these electromagnetic vibes and you've had ghost activity, it's not purely saturated with that. There are certain parts of the house and there are certain areas of the house that carry those feelings, but the entire house and the entire ground that the house sits on and the entire surrounding area is not soaked with that electromagnetism. Mm-hmm. It's a different thing. I think it's more concentration than it is length of time. Or it's something scary as fuck. There's something natural like that scary as shit too, but something otherworldly would be really terrible. Well, interesting enough, a group of researchers studied magnetic anomalies in different places in different countries. And they came to the conclusion that in those places where there are these magnetic anomalies, there's abnormally high suicide rates amongst the people in the areas. So I definitely think there's something to that. I don't think it's just a coincidence that a lot of people are killing themselves in this forest. And Well, boys, it's been a very intense episode, and I am very interested to see your final thoughts on this. Dave, your thoughts? With the subject being as heavy as it is, I'm going to keep it really brief. I think that this place, I've never been there, but not really compelled to go either. Has a couple of things that could possibly be going on there in my mind. I personally think it's probably has to do something physical when it comes to magnetics or electromagnetism, something within the body that changes. But with that being said, that doesn't explain people being mentally told to end their lives and go be compelled physically to a certain place and either A, wake up out of a trance and be like, where the hell am I? Or actually just do it. That and us mentioning it's the spirits of other spirits who have committed suicide means there's some strange, compelling, evil force that's cyclical. And that scares the shit out of me. All in all, I think that there's something very strange going on here. And it could be one of those two things. I I don't think it's just serenity. I personally think that the beginning of this story starts with the ground makeup and the lava, the electromagnetic field around it or the magnetism around it that might have messed with people's minds. But I think that also grew and compounded itself with the increase in the suicides and that spiritual energy that gathered there. And I think those two things together have grown exponentially throughout the years and throughout the generations. And there is the energy of the people that perceive that place, not only the spirits within the the forest and the ground, but also the people outside of it and the way that they perceive it. So if you have these groups of people who live around the forest or who know of the forest and they themselves have bad energy about what goes on there and think only the first thing that pops into their head is suicide forest, then that also feeds the energy of the place. So it's like a collective thought. 
Yeah, I think that's really true of a lot of things. Like collective thinking is something that's kind of dismissed with a lot of people, and a lot of people don't even realize that it's a thing, but it's provable. And I think a collective thought, especially when you have a lot of people that live around the mountain or a lot of people that live within a distance of the forest and what they think and what they feel when it comes to that place is transmuted. And I think that's helped it become what it is and exude that energy. Frank, final thoughts. I'd just like to reiterate what I had said earlier in the episode that the Aokigahara forest is really a gift and a curse to the locals of the area around Mount Fuji because it really is a beautiful, stunning place, but at the same time, it's got this dense negative energy and connotation to it. And I think everything that we talked about are all equal attributes to that connotation. Like Mike, you mentioned, we said earlier on that the iron-rich lava floor of the forest, it has a very negative effect on people's mental state. It can affect you pretty poorly depending on how susceptible you are. And, you know, you've got these people that might have the intentions of taking their lives and they go into this forest and they could be even more so pushed to actually take action with the electromagnetic fields that are around them. It could affect them that strongly. But at the same time, you've got Buddhist monks going into the forest, setting up altars, trying to diminish the presence of the Uri. So I do think there's validity to this evil sort of angry spirits that take residence in the forest. It's honestly a terrifying thought that you could walk in here just trying to take a peaceful hike and whether it be through the mental suggestion of a Uri or just the magnetic field of the ground, you might somehow arise the suicidal thought. And it's even more scary that depending on how susceptible you are, you may or may not take action on it. I think there's more to the Aokigahara forest in terms of a suicide destination than, say, the Golden Gate Bridge, in the sense that it has this effect on people's mentality. It's not like they're walking up to a bridge and, and jumping off. Very sad. Well, that's going to do it for our debriefing number 27 on the Okigahara forest. What were your thoughts? Did we miss anything? Is there anything that we should have discussed? You can reach us at contact at hushhushsociety.com. And as another side note, Hushlings, we love you. If you are feeling any type of way, any type of suicidal thoughts, diminishing thoughts, please reach out to us. We are always available and we will call you if we have to. We will talk to you. We will listen. We are here for you. We love you. And Hushlings, join us for our next debriefing, Debriefing 28, where we are exploring crop circles that will be streaming everywhere Monday, July 26th. Also, do not forget to tune in for our Season 3 and 1-year anniversary show streaming live on Facebook on Tuesday, August 17th. During that episode, we will be covering the NWO and the Illuminati. It's a big one. We will also have giveaways, hush trivia, and a lot more for you. 
Thank you again for joining the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mr. Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.